0: For years, mankind has invented a number of supposed cure-alls designed to solve practically every affliction imaginable. Snake oils and soda companies originally made a name for themselves by marketing their sugar-laden products as medicine. However, in the past year or so, a new treatment has emerged that actually does what others came before it could not. CBD. There are plenty of places you can put up CBD in various forms, but it can be a bit of a pain to find exactly what you're looking for. As a result I was pretty amped when I was introduced to CBD.com which is basically a one-stop shop for all of your CBD needs. There are countless ways to consume CBD and whether you're looking for a topical CBD infused beverage some gummies or tinctures this website has virtually everything you can imagine. CBD.com is basically the Amazon of CBD. They've taken extra precautions to make sure all the products on the website meet federal guidelines and they've teamed up with laboratories that give everything they sell a seal of approval. I've purchased my fair share of CBD products since it became a thing, but I haven't found a place that makes buying it as painless as CBD.com does. So whether you're a CBD veteran or newcomer, check out CBD.com for all your CBD needs. That's spelled C-B-D-E-E dot And now, back to Oh Yeah Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. Oh. was two nights before christmas and all through the podcast welcome back to everybody to oh yeah oh yeah the entourage podcast last episode of 2019 we did it 51 episodes in the books we're two days out from the christmas holiday hope everybody's had a fantastic year thank you once again for supporting listening sharing commenting critiquing the show we're only going to get better. We're only going to get bitter and bitter guests. Super pumped for 2020 to go out on a high note to give you something to listen to on that long commute to your family's house this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Put together a little best of compilation episode. Special shout out, Robbie Handa. Good dude. He's been helping me out with the podcast on the side. He helped put together these clips. I went back. I listened to some of my favorite interviews. I pulled some of my favorite moments. Nice hour walking down Entourage Memory Lane. I focus primarily on the earlier seasons. Seasons 1, seasons 2, and the early part of season 3 since we just completed season 3B. You will not be hearing from me for about two weeks now. As mentioned, I'm going to be in Cabo San Lucas with my wife next week, and the week after that I'm just going to dip back to the grind, lock down an amazing desk for the season premiere of season 4, and get right back on this entourage train. Five-star reviews, keep them coming. They're the greatest Christmas gift I could ask for. You guys have been delivering. Thank you so much. Thank you for following the social media accounts at Pod, on both Instagram and Twitter. And thank you for listening to the Spotify playlist. I mentioned this last week, but if you haven't checked out my one on one interview with Guy Fieri yet, he uh, opened a barbecue restaurant on a cruise ship. And Bro Bible sent me down to LA to interview him. We didn't talk about Entourage, unfortunately, but there's some great video and a great article up on the Bro Bible website. Follow my social media accounts at JRWillDoIt to see all the videos. And clips from that interview. I'll link to it in the show notes for today's uh, episode. If you're a Guy Fieri fan, or if you're just a fan of, uh, I don't know, my interviewing style in general, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a real bummer that Entourage didn't have a Christmas-themed episode. That would have been a lot of fun to break down. Let's imagine what that would be like for a second, shall we? The boys have to get home for Christmas. Drama boots a last-minute acting gig, or he has a big-time audition that might interfere with their flights. Turtle burns down the Christmas tree. E falls in love. With some girl back home And is debating about staying there with her And Vince probably has sex with A cocktail waitress, something like that And Ari celebrates Hanukkah So without further ado, let's just dive in Thank you guys so much for all the support Everything from this year You guys are a great listenership I hope the podcast continues to exceed And or meet your expectations And I hope to see you again in 2020 Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year And enjoy the best of Oh Yeah Oh Yeah (laughs) So that I mean that leads us to Best Celebrity Cameo, which we've touched on here like uh, a bunch. It's Val Kilmer, right? Hands down.
1: Yeah, it's it's Kilmer. I mean, there are episodes that have a ton, like, you know, probably five or six to choose from. There's a there's an episode with Matt Damon and LeBron James. Yeah,
2: in the same scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is this is not that episode. Yeah. You get Val Kilmer and you're gonna like it and you do yeah. like it.
0: The massive pull on the water pipe, or like the bomb, is exactly like what I came here for. There's, it's just like 15 straight seconds of them watching him pull on this pipe, in a very <laughs> short show. That is astronomical.
1: <laughs> they basically, they basically gave Val the keys, and they were like, "You got 10 minutes, just run it. Yeah, just, just hit 120 miles an hour."
0: So I'm really excited because you actually brought a, a new category to the table. When I when I invite guests on the pod, I ask them if you have any other categories you think of, like please, because honestly, I I don't think I'm creative enough to come up with new categories every week. So I kind of lean back on the the old ones. So you came up with worst outfit, which I think is going to be a mainstay here, because this show, in terms of its fashion, really hasn't aged well. Yeah. So let's talk about the worst outfit that you saw in the episode, Kyle.
1: So. <laughs> i didn't really i went against I, I I went against the own category I made up. <laughs> I just wrote down turtle what turtle wears all episodes <laughs> everything turtle but okay, so if I had to pick one specifically. Um, when they're, they're outside drama and it's the lunch, the lunch meeting, a drama turtle outside and turtles on the phone. And he's wearing those like kind of rounded glasses (laughs) shades with the backwards flat bill and his oversized polo and jeans, baggy ass jeans tucked into high top shoes. Okay. JR, (laughs) if I, if I take my DeLorean back to 2004 and you've just ripped off the first season of this show and i come back and i like 30 for 30 voice you i'm like what if i told you that in 14 years the guy who's the best looking and doing the best of all these guys <laughs> is turtle
0: yeah no it stresses the best
1: looks the best is probably the most successful yeah yeah he's on he's he's still got a job i i think kevin connolly's doing directing I think uh Jeremy Piven is doing like stand-up comedy oh
0: don't even get me like, started on that yeah <laughs>
1: yeah but like Turtles doing great Turtle's doing, and he, he like I apparently
0: mean, from all from all appearances one of the nicest guys in Hollywood beautiful. let's get into it Anthony what was your favorite moment from this episode
3: yeah so you know favorite favorite moment um you know obviously is definitely the larry david scene i think to this day i can't even tell you how many times i'm just sitting there and, and the only thing i remember is just like the the vin diesel with the you've got the fucking goggles on you know they're making they're making power shakes uh that that scene is just like to this day you know not a terrible amount of my friends know entourage that well so it's like uh kind of ironic i guess but and I'll drop things like that. And people are just looking at me like, like,
4: what the hell
3: is he talking about? And it's, and it's, and it's that, and that scene is a, one of the first scenes that comes to mind is, it's just, and then he just snaps a drama for, you know, talking to a real client and, and that, honestly, that's, and, and who doesn't love Larry David? Yeah, that definitely by far, probably one of my favorite overall.
4: I'm waiting for your phone call. I call your office. I, you know, this. I don't get a call back. Then I turn on the TV and I see you sitting next to Vin Diesel. So what the hell is that? I told Emily to call you. She didn't call, she fucked up. My Blackberry was broken. Wait a I don't... second, I called her, okay? She gave you that message and you never called me back. Okay, I was gonna go to the game with you. I told Emily that we were gonna be late, okay? I went to go talk to Vin. He's doing the whole he's got an eighteen wheeler with equipment and going crazy. They're making power shakes. I don't know. He's got the fucking crazy glasses on. I don't know what's happening. I told Emily to call you. What she doesn't. What? what language are you talking? You thought you were gonna Is this an excuse? I don't even know what you're talking about. No, it is it is exactly what happened. What happened? I still don't know. You're talking Chinese. What are <laughs> no, you not talking Chinese? I,
0: I love the scene. I mean, this was we talked about this a little bit off air, but like it was one of these cameos that I forgot happened in this episode. Like I I had always thought the Larry David cameo was a great entourage cameo, but when it happened in this season eight, I'm sorry, in this episode eight finale, I was genuinely like ecstatic. I was like, "Oh, this is the the Larry David scene." He's like, "Ari blames Emily for <laughs> for like a phone mix up." Larry's like, "What language are you talking? Is this an excuse? Are you giving me an excuse right now?" The way that he like uh, judges dr- dramas dotes like, "Nah, eh, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's perfect." <laughs> it was like it was like a quick little scene uh, out of Curb Your Enthusiasm, smack dab in the middle of the entourage finale. the so Worst Celebrity cameo. I wouldn't say she was the worst, because she offers like a nice bit of clout and pull at the end of the season. It kind of showed that this show to draw in celebrity guests. but Vince has been bitching to E or has been bothering E for the past two episodes, put me in touch with Scarlett Johansson, put me in touch with Scarlett Johansson, and when they're on the runway... He picks up his phone, hands the cell phone to Vince, and it's Scarlett Johansson.
5: Hey Vince, it's Scarlett. Is this, uh, is this a bad time? Hey,
6: Scarlett!
7: Hey, how are you? Where are you? I'm in New York. I just got in. Really? I, I, I'm on my way to New York right now. You want to grab a late dinner? <laughs>
5: Uh, let's, let's make it an early breakfast. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll call you when I land.
6: Okay. Cool. Talk to you
5: later.
0: What did we think about this Tameo though, Anthony? Um, yeah, so, you know,
3: uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Scarlett Johansson in sure. general. I mean, I think that we can all agree she's, she's great. Uh, not by her own design, but yeah, kind of uh, the whole episode, we're just going like, like, fuck you, Vince. And, yeah. and, and. and this is just kind of ridiculous and leave him alone, whatever. But when, you know, when it finally comes around and she's on there, it's like, how can you hate her? And like, it, it, that's almost auxiliary to what's going on. But, uh, it, you know, the fact that he pulls it off and all, and all this stuff, it just, it makes it that much more of like a, a valuable cameo. But yeah, I would say, I would say the way we're going to classify it is like the worst cameo by the way, the cameo was brought on yep. just because he's just getting pummeled the whole episode and uh you know the way vince is bringing us on is just you know uh, just a little ridiculous
0: i want to talk about a bros being bros moment every episode of entourage has one and i'll start off with mine and i'd love to hear yours if you had one yeah or just your thoughts i love the scene when they're walking and talking into Ari's office, and they're talking about having sex with a girl on her period. So, you're saying you'd have sex with a girl on a period, John? Well,
7: what, wouldn't, man? Hey,
0: I've done it. It's not something I
8: hope for. You guys are disgusting. You know, I don't think I've ever done that. Yeah, well, you should, Alter boy, because it's a known fact that a girl on a period is much hornier.
0: And there's no need for a raincoat. Yeah, it's like flag day. Except it's a week. And it's just like a straw poll. Like one guy's <laughs> like, I've never. He's like, I've never done it. And drama's like, I only do it. And there's there's all these different theories floating around and they're trying to convince them. I loved it. I loved that moment.
9: Yeah. It was, you know, to be honest with you, I used to be the guy who like, if I saw period blood or whatever, I'd be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Ever since I had my kid, (laughs) like – and, the, like, you don't, like, the shit that you see when you have a, a little girl, like, the amount of shit I've had to clean out of her vagina, like, the fucking things that you see, being a part of, the, being at the childbirth and oh. seeing what happens, like, just ripping another hole, like, rip, like her getting a second vagina, oh. like, as, as the baby came out, like, my kid's mom just getting a second, like, now it's like, I just don't care. It's like, if you got, if you're on your period, whatever, I just, I get it. I get yep. it. Yep. But before yep. that, I just, I would be more like, yeah, I don't know if I, you know, I would just try to convince her to give me a blowy.
0: Yep. Yep. 100%. There's- well, you're not in the mood, but, and E does this to his girlfriend in this episode. So I, what I liked about this scene specifically, the, the walking and talking about the period is like, we've all had that conversation with our boys. We're like, one dude's done something and the other three haven't or vice versa, or one dude hasn't done something and the other three are giving them like the pros and cons of it. And I think yeah. that's what like
9: people connected with with the show dude i got a friend like if if he i'm talking about like if he meets you meets a girl at a bar and like gets back to her place she goes back to his place whatever mm-hmm. like if he if he just met you 10 minutes ago and you're like dtf he's putting his tongue in your butt immediately <laughs> he all he does is eat butt and he said there's been multiple times in his life where he's been eating a girl's butt, and he's come and just left. <laughs> like, he's obsessed with munching butt. And I'm like, dude, you're going to die. You're going to get a e. coli one yep, day and yep. legit die.
0: Your tongue's going to fucking fall off. <laughs> yeah,
9: no, he has strep throat, like, at least six times a year. And he's like, I got to go to the doctor. I know what's going on. I'm like, stop sticking your tongue in random girls' assholes. <laughs> <laughs> it's
10: just that intro song. Like, once oh. that song comes on, and it's like oh yeah like i mean i know everyone does that oh yeah but you really got to do it because it was like and the suicide doors on the car and just the way it was driving down like whatever sunset or something it was it's iconic yeah dude i heard that intro. i rewatched the episode we're talking about today that intro song oh dude oh
0: so iconic you could almost name a podcast after it
10: yeah oh, oh right oh
11: yeah
0: oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah Drama's fucking calf implant obsession is one of the funniest things in the show early on. He's like finally kind of stands up for himself to his like kind of bitchy girlfriend. And then you got Vince sitting courtside at the Lakers game with Ari, like tense all around. And I like how he's taking
3: it to Ari at the game too. He's like, he's still being chill, but he's also like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. Like, I don't need to be a superhero.
10: Yeah, they talk a lot of shit to each other. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if this is conducive to a healthy work environment. They're just like, shut up, idiot.
4: <laughs> yeah. What, we're not talking? Please. Who's not talking? I'm watching the game. Hey, besides, didn't you fire me? I fired you? You're going to let him interpret? He doesn't even speak the oh, language. God.
7: What did he say again? He said, do Aquaman and find a new agent. That's what I recall. Yeah.
10: Lamar Odom scored or something, he's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Lamar Odom was pretty hard on drama about the Cavs, too. Yeah, know, like not the Cleveland ones, but like he was uh, like. Hey,
8: Lamar, what's up? I want to ask you, what, what do you do for your legs, man? What? How do you get them looking so good?
10: Vince, man, your brother's a freak, man. <laughs>
8: so, later, man.
0: See yeah, I was like,
10: oh, Lamar. And dude, that's kind of, it's weird to see Lamar in that show. With the kind of dramatic irony of knowing what's coming next for the hard times that he would fall into. Oh yeah,
0: it was like a young Lamar Odom cameo. (music) What other bros being bros moments jumped out at you guys?
3: The support they had for E at the Rager. They're like, look, this party's sick, but it sucks if you're going to be whining about Oh, the, well, They were kind of more supportive about it. They are like, dude, if you're going to be sad, we're going to be sad too. And I'm like, that's what you got to do. You
4: know, this is a great party, but we decided if you're going to be miserable, we're going to be miserable too. Just for the record, I voted against you, E, but I went with the majority. I'm miserable. Pissed like I stuck with $400
7: recovery. Oh, Peninsula has a 24-hour cancellation policy. You should at least go
10: jerk off on the bed, man. I mean, you got paid for it.
0: And then Vinny pulls the ultimate bro move and like, Hooks E up with a perfect 10 model, as you do when you're a movie star.
10: Yeah, she was so down, too. <laughs> she was like, oh, what up, little dude? I for sure want to bone you, no questions so asked. Let's get it going. I was like, damn, dude, E's just got that genocide quad that you can't fake. Yeah. Leanna. Have you met my
4: boy, E? No. Hi. Nice to meet you.
11: E, Leanna here is a
10: perfect
5: 10 model. what that means? Oh, natural.
7: You can you leave that with those two? Oh my God, E's au natural too. And he wants to leave, can you believe that? Why? He's
10: a little tired, I'm to go home and go to sleep. It's too bad. Dude, you, my favorite bro moment was when Vince kind of explained to E that like, sometimes your station in life affords you certain opportunities you wouldn't ordinarily have. And then he says like, I think the critical line that we don't know how long it's gonna last. Yeah. And Vince's awareness about how kind of ephemeral success can be was like, super on point.
0: That's probably the deepest thing anyone's ever said on this podcast, and, and I respect it. You guys are Chad Goes Deep, so I appreciate it.
10: I'm super proud of that distinction, my dog.
0: But first, I'll, let me talk about some of my favorite moments. Simply when Ari drops the price... Of the commercial on the boys at Earth Cafe while they're eating. That's not bad. I don't want to do a commercial. Vinny, it will never appear on US soil, all right?
4: It is one day's work. He said he doesn't want to do a commercial for half a million dollars. What was the director's name again?
0: Cha Ching. I'm sorry, Chang Chung. Boom. I, I laughed out loud at how perfect Jeremy Piven is in this moment and how. You know these guys have all these principles. They want to, you know, they want to do it for the art. They want to do it for Vince's career. But when you get half a million dollars waved in front of you, it's a pretty easy decision.
7: So I watching that episode again yesterday, and knowing what happens when Ari brings it up first when he says it'll never air in American soil, my first thought was, "Holy crap! This is pre YouTube." Yep. You know, now you get Kobe commercials in every country that you can watch that. Kobe was probably pitched in 2005 this will never be on American soil. Well, guess what? He didn't know YouTube was coming. So, I was thinking about that with Vince that he, you know, this would have gone viral.
0: Oh, 100%. And it probably would have been good for him.
7: But at the time this this is something legitimate that this stuff happened all the time. Yep. Um, you know, you can go back to Michael Jordan and there was there were things taped internationally that you just assumed would never see the light of day in the U.S.
0: When, when you see any of them, when you see um, George Clooney do one of his commercials or, or Leo DiCaprio does, like, watch commercials in Asia, and it's like, yeah, these are massive paychecks for these guys, and they're just squirreling that away, like, and it not being public-facing. So, which
7: they got right, by the way. It was a good job by uh, the writers getting something like that.
0: Yeah.
12: Um, another another one was the when they had when they got the list of actresses' name, uh, mm-hmm. and they were they were just like going through the names and like saying why they'd be great, why they wouldn't be. I just felt like a thing that you would do. Like if you got a list, you would be with your friends, be like, Here, here's this person and someone would say a reason, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. Like Turtles like, Oh, she has a boyfriend. They're like, So yeah. what? <laughs> um, like I just thought that was like a, a thing that was pretty legit, like that a group of people would do.
4: What do you guys think of Cameron Diaz for Aqua Girl? Love her. Fuck that, she got a boyfriend. Upside is you bang her, he gets pissed off. Downside is she's loyal. Who wants to make a movie with someone you have no shot at? He's got a point. Jennifer Garner. Love her. Boyfriend. Kirsten Dunst? She already fucked a superhero. She's single though. Who else you got? Mandy Moore? You flinch, drama. Bullshit, I was reacted to Mandy Moore.
0: Yeah, and the list is a good list. It's Cameron Diaz, I got a problem Garner. with the list. If you want to, oh, if you wanna, all right. What's what's
12: what's the what's the issue? I don't know if this is. Uh, well, I I love Mandy Moore. I love her, but in 2005, I don't think she would be on this list. Oh, interesting.
0: Well, I have I have something about that too. But let's
12: hear. It. Okay. Let's keep going. Well, I'm just saying all the other all the other actors are like people who have been in like really big movies. Like at that point, Mandy Moore was, in – hey, I, I walked to remember. Great flick. But other than that, I mean, she had some stuff here and there. She was like coming off her singing career. Again, great actress. I love her, Mandy. If you're listening, big fan. Um, <laughs> but I just, she, her name just kind of stood out as kind of an outlier. But I get it. I mean, they're they're working her into the show, so I don't know.
0: No, I, I the only one I would call kind of BS on is Jennifer Gardner because mm-hmm. Jennifer Gardner at that point had just been on Alias. She was never really a movie star, so. Right. Cameron Diaz, Kirsten Dunst, those are two A-list female actresses at yeah. the time in 2005. So maybe the list is two A-listers and two up-and-comers with Jennifer. Who was Gardner. the other one? Did they have five? It was just the those three and then Mandy Moore.
12: Now that you said that, it does make more sense with Jennifer Gardner because they're kind of like le- there's like a level there's like levels to them now. Yep, exactly. That makes more sense.
0: So I wanted to call out one line that isn't one of my favorite quotes, but is worth exploring because uh, I realized something in doing my research for this episode. So when E is grilling Vince about the walk-to-remember incident in the parking lot after they do their scuba lesson, he goes, did production get shut down? And Vince goes... Did they shut down production? Oh, yeah, they did shut down production. The crew ate bad clams. Now, this bad clams callback is an homage... To an incident that happened on the set of James Cameron's greatest movie to date, Titanic. Do you uh, know what I'm talking about?
12: No, I, did, I I thought that was just a clear, obvious lie.
0: So I didn't know that I, was
12: like a real thing, maybe.
0: I mean, it, it might be a lie coming out of Vincent Chase's mouth in the plot of the show, but I think this line is in the episode as an homage to on August 8th, 1996, when the cast and crew of Titanic were wrapping up shooting in Shearwater, Canada, they had a midnight meal of clam chowder and it turned out that the clam chowder was spiked with PCP.
12: Oh my god. Wow. Shortly
0: after they ate the meal, people began to feel woozy, some people puked. some people started laughing hysterically, some were crying. James Cameron, who says that he was stabbed in the face with a pen by a crew member, said that people were moaning, crying, wailing, collapsing on tables and gurneys. The DP led a number of crew down the hall in a highly vocal Tonda line. I'm being serious. You can't make this stuff up. They were all hospitalized, 60 people. Fortunately, nobody had any long-term injuries or death.
12: Wow. Well, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, I never knew that. And that's clearly what they're referencing because, I mean, they're talking about Cameron and you know they're they're very in tune with hollywood obviously they have a million references so i guess that's just for the insiders which you are now man Uh,
0: hey man i'm the entourage insider. i did a lot of (laughs) shit i did a lot of flack from people for not catching every reference on the show so i'm trying to step my game up guys everyone is listening (laughs) i'm doing a little bit of extra googling spend a little bit of extra time on the imdb pages don't you worry
8: I mean, I think, you know, when they were all walking through the uh, hallway and they ran into the uh, the gals of the Pussy Patrol and yep. uh, the way drama was kind of introducing him and Vince and then kind of being like, and these are the other guys, you know, <laughs> and uh, just kind of throwing them under the bus and then, uh, you know, turtle walking uh, uh, to get a, to look as they uh, were walking away and they're all kind of, you know, geeking out. But Vince is kind of staying real cool. And then I liked how... Uh, Drama, at when they're like, yeah, drama, did you uh, do porn? Like, how do you know these girls? I was like, no, we were in scene study class at at uh, Howard Fine Studios. She's got great timing, bro. I was like, oh my god, it's so funny.
13: This is my brother Vance, and these are the other guys. It's a pleasure to meet you, Jess.
11: Oh, it's nice to
4: meet you, too. How the fuck do you know Jesse Jane? You know, was Luber there in my burn through on that
13: broad. Johnny, did you ever get with her? No, I wish. Drama, please tell me you've never been in the porno. No. We used to be in the scene study class at Howard the studio. She's got great timing,
8: bro.
0: Uh, you know, kind of the exact way a couple of young dudes would react to seeing, like, three of the biggest porn stars in the world in person. Yeah, for I sure. Think.
13: Yeah, the, the uh, moment when they were driving to the bar mitzvah, all passing around the joint in the car as Eric Ed, and Vince were both talking about how they were going to make a play for Sloan. Yeah. And turtle and drama were kind of chiming in on who had a better shot, like that. That was a very broy moment in terms of guys just like driving to a party, being like, "Oh, this is the chick I'm gonna try to bang," and <laughs> and like the kind of broy competition between Vince and E with the other two dudes saying who had a better chance. That was a legit bro moment.
4: Dude, I don't need you to back off, Oh, E. Don't wake a sleeping
8: giant. Seriously, take the offer while it's hot on the table. Look,
4: I had a connection with this girl, so what? She's just gonna flip to Vince? We have a 25 mile lead in the marathon. Once Vince
8: laces up his shoes, it's over. At least if he bangs slow, he'll get over his obsession with Mandy.
12: Might be worth
4: the sacrifice to save the movie. Hey, look, Vince, if you wanna go for it, go for (laughs) it. Okay, fine, I will. (laughs) Don't scare me, you famous fuck.
8: Good movie. You're gonna need all your facilities.
0: My what?
12: idiot.
0: Did I say that wrong? That weird competitive macho bullshit thing that guys go through in, in any group. It doesn't matter.
13: These guys are willing to sacrifice their friendship. Yeah you call it macho I would call it hubris. He, yep. he was definitely uh, looking to give horse in the mouth when when Vince was agreeing to bow out and then his pride wouldn't let him just leave well enough alone. Let's
0: talk about Sidon a little bit. He's he's the face in the crowd. So Sidon, Brian Daniel Terranard, raised in Spring Valley, New York. He served jail time in the late '90s, first degree first degree assault. He shot at someone in a bar. However, when he was in prison, he met with a fellow inmate who rapped, and they started working together. Fast forward, in 2004, Sidon signed a record deal with Atlantic Records, but ultimately, like, they never. Produce an album for him so this plot of like Sidon not being able to get his work out and being like suppressed by his little record deal is actually what's going on in the real rapper Sidon's life which I thought was super interesting and a nice touch and I don't know if they did it on purpose or it was after the fact but it all happened in the same time period
11: so to just catch you up on that a little bit it, it kind of was a little after like I think when he first appeared on the show for sure it was like a big look. It was part of his, uh, you know, this this real big groundswell behind him of yep. having like a underground fan base and people like being excited for him to go mainstream. And uh, then, I, you know, it just really didn't pay the kind of dividends that he wanted it to.
0: Yeah, I think he released one album and that's it. I don't, he's nowhere to be seen today. I don't know if you know anything, but I...
11: Yeah, I mean, it actually made me look up when the last time he put, like, a, a mixtape out was, and it was, like, way back, like, 2012, I think. Yeah. Damn. Even that was, like, a release that probably wasn't even on, a, on our radar, really, that crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, though. He he had just Blaze behind him, you know, one yep. of the biggest rap producers, especially back in that era. I think at one point he had a song that was co-produced by both Blaze and Kanye. Uh, he had Swizz on the album. He got a Jay-Z verse, you know. Yep he had things going for him
0: rappers in the early 2000s where they had no power and and no like means of distribution. Unlike now, it's just such a different world, man. And it was 15 years ago.
11: Yeah. I mean, today he would be perfectly fine. Just kind of grinding it out with his fan base. But back then he had, I think he had one quote where, you know, he was saying Atlantic was, they signed him knowing the type of music he makes, which is the the kind of music that they're playing actually in the show were his songs Yeah, in this episode. And, uh, one of his first meetings with Atlantic after he signed was like talking about getting like a boy band on the single and shoot. shit.
8: Re- trying to resonate with Vinny as a character, <laughs> I, I was no, I was not getting ass like Vinny was. Also, have you noticed that whenever there's a sex scene with Vincent chasing it, he is. Doing reverse cowgirl.
0: (laughs) That's a great that's a great observation and it's completely correct. He must love reverse cowgirl.
9: Like he's so lazy.
0: (laughs) So Vinny has a couple couple bad months.
1: After Medine, I mean, if you call getting like slammed on a Mexican beach a bad month, but you do you.
0: <laughs> I mean, career-wise, we're talking about his career. We're not talking about his sex life right now. <laughs> this is true. We'll talk a little bit more about the movies he like doesn't do or the movies he passes on, and 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 Smokejumpers falls into that category. But in terms of a green, lit go movie, his next role is as Nick Kerouac in Martin Scorsese's Gatsby in two thousand
1: and nine. You you mean Nick Carraway? I know my oh, Gatsby. It's my bit.
0: Sorry, who's Kerouac? Oh, uh, we were talking Jack earlier Kerouac. about a uh, Yeah, we were talking earlier about Fear and Loathing. I just uh <laughs> this movie would probably be fire.
1: Oh, this movie I was telling my fiance like earlier that when we were, I was talking about what we were going to talk about. I was like a Scorsese Gatsby, I would be all in. Did you see the the Baz Luhrmann Gatsby
0: movie? I did. I did see that with a girlfriend of mine back in Chicago and it was fine. I'm a big Leo fan as you know, so like I liked Leo in it, but uh, I was I wasn't like blown away by it. You No, I mean, it was really exciting.
1: Like it was a good, uh, it was a good movie theater watch. I saw it in 3d. It was very, I mean, he did, um, he did Moulin Rouge as well. It was very in that style. Um, really enjoyable like Leo and, and the aforementioned Tobey Maguire, the a uh, Martin Scorsese modern day Gatsby though, like that, that makes my balls tingle.
13: Hey, hello. Hello, Vince. Hey, it's Marty Scorsese. Hi, hello. Yeah, listen, you got a minute to talk?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, uh, indeed I do. OK, well, look, Gus was kind enough to send me some of the rushes and that picture you were in about the forest fires or whatever. And I saw them, and I thought you were terrific. And I'd love to offer you a part in my new picture. Really? Yeah, it's a, a reimagining of the Great Gatsby, modern day, uh, set in the Upper West Side of New York. And I think he'd be perfect for Nick Carraway.
4: What do you think oh. of that?
13: Um, amazing.
1: Great. If you'd like to come in and talk about the details. Okay. Okay. See you soon then. All right? Thank you. Thank
7: you. Bye. Uh... I'm gonna be in a Scorsese movie. Come God,
4: Correction! You're gonna be the lead in a fucking. That's Scorsese.
1: quite the movie.
0: Yeah, you'd hear, you definitely hear like two Rolling Stone songs in it for some reason. There'd be a <laughs> really like, there'd be some sort of like showdown, you know? There'd be like a bunch of people pointing guns at each other at one point.
1: <laughs> there'd be some like, some some casual racism. Yep. Yep. Uh, that that would exist, uh, but I mean, it'd be it'd be awesome. That I mean, that's an opening night for sure.
0: Yeah, 100%. And the main character of Nick Carraway would, he'd be like addicted to heroin or something like that. That'd be, that'd be like one of his like personality traits. Yeah,
1: absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Did you have a comp for this one besides the, the Baz Luhrmann Great Gatsby?
0: No, I mean, that's, uh, I, I kind of just went, you know, by the book and that, like, The Great Dadsby, the Baz Luhrmann one in 2013 is the most accurate comp, but I want to hear what you have, because yours have been so interesting so far.
1: So with Scorsese, it's hard to, like, find something like What's His Vibe, because this isn't really a gangster movie, but you get yep. to thinking, like, what's a movie about a guy who's lives in excess, throws lots of parties, gets kind of wild? This is, like, this would have been the predecessor to Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I my
0: think. God crash you're really good at this (laughs) i live
1: for this shit we talked we talked off air i have a lot of free time
0: (laughs) dude that's perfect
1: but can you imagine a gatsby movie but with like the vibe of wolf of wall street how amazing would that be
0: because honestly like you know it's it's the roaring 20s they're all partying but it was debaucherous back then like and Vinny in the middle of it getting like ridden by some like half-naked girl in one of those like Big head pieces, one of those hair pieces that like they wore back in the twenties, like wild.
1: Yeah, did they? They never said who played. Uh, who played? Actually, played Gatsby. Did they?
0: No, they didn't. Um, I mean, the movie opened at number one in the box office. It grossed thirty-seven million in its opening weekend, which is like seems light. Literally nothing now. Yeah, it seems. Very Ten years light. later, super light. Yeah, and it, it announced his bid, his return to the bid screen, essentially after after. Toiling away at smoke jumpers, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um yeah, that's a good pick. That's a good fit for Vinny Chase for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely a good pick. I mean, if you're gonna get I mean, the fact that Martin Scorsese is calling him two years after the Median flop is just like okay.
0: Are you seeing the Scorsese Helm Datsby opening night?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I mean I'm there. I'm probably there at midnight. Same been,
0: we're sitting next to each other.
1: Absolutely <laughs> absolutely. I'm all in on that. I'm probably seeing it <laughs> twice in theaters.
0: the dom award for worst new character for me was dom what what did you think of this character will
6: i wasn't a dom guy and i don't think anybody was supposed to be i think that was the point of dom he had to be this person that you didn't want in their crew and it was like this perfect gruff entrance this this, like, sense of entitlement because he's been friends with them even though he's in jail for seven years. Is it seven years? Am I right when I say that?
0: Yeah, he says he's been in the tan for five years, maybe seven. You're right. For two joints? If two joints, but then he punches the cop afterwards. Oh, that's the whole that's thing. Okay. He says he could have been out in a week if he hadn't punched the cop, which is a little bit of like, I'm like, Vince, you're a pushover if you think this is your fault that the guy's been in prison for seven years.
6: I mean, it. Uh, that's a long time. I don't. I mean, that's I, a long time I guess time. That's, that's just a lesson to everybody. Don't punch a cop. But, yeah. I mean, he does what he needs to do, though. He need, He's yeah. the aggravator. He's the uh, He rubbed you the wrong way, and it's, it's purposeful, and it's effective. Um, I think that, yeah, people don't like Dom, but at the end of the day, you're not supposed to.
0: Well, and, like, let me talk about the actor really quick. So he's originally from the Bronx, so that accent, it's all authentic. He was cast in his first movie role at the age of 17 when Robert De Niro cast him in A Bronx Tale. He was a gun dealer named Nicky Zero. He's also been on the a&e television series breakout teens he was ralph delino on oz and he was most famously Herc on the wire so he's you know he's been on these hb he's in the hbo family so Mm -hmm. it kind of made sense and he's good friends with jerry ferrara and kevin Connolly. so it it made sense that they brought him on board for this and in this very academic viewing of the show that we have going here you're right will he he does his job perfectly
6: he has a he's got like a a low-key great resume when you look at Oh, oh,
0: one hundred percent. Like yeah, you wouldn't
6: expect that, but I mean, he is
0: very. It's like, and it's a golden resume. It's not like filled with shit. It's like those six roles.
6: Yeah, it's. I'm, I mean, I'm honestly impressed. I'm looking at his his stuff now, and I'm like, oh yeah, he was in that, huh?
0: A little role on Boardwalk Empire. He played uh, Al Capone's brother, Ralph Capone. Like those are all very highly regarded HBO dramas. I just listed. So. He
6: gets like typecasted, obviously, but like yeah. it's perfect. If I ha- if I had his look and his accent and everything. I would I would be completely fine with getting typecasted. Sign me up. Yeah.
0: But what's interesting is like in, in the world of entourage, it, it didn't work. I was reading an interview with Dodd Allen and he's site like, it was completely nuts. It was the only episode that his mother called him after it aired on Monday and was like, I don't get why you did this. And he was and Dud was like, No, mom, people understand. He's supposed to be polarizing. And then it was so galvanizing that like people really started hating the character and kind of gave the actor, Dom Lombard- Lombardzzi, a hard time because he's like to die from New York. They'd like, tell him, fuck you, Dom, in the streets of New York and boo him as he'd walk by. Oh, which that's is, messed up. He doesn't deserve that. Uh, nobody deserves that. No. It's absurd. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the Dom Award. It's Dom. But again, like I kind of see why he was put in the show. And it's also unfair because, well, he's gone one episode later, he's like at the end of next week's episode. We won't be talking about Dom anymore. So it's kind of unfair to be like the worst part of Entourage is Dom. He's on screen for like forty minutes total. <laughs> it's not that. Pitiful. I didn't
6: realize he was he had that short of a uh, tenure.
0: Yeah, it just he just resonated so much with so many people.
6: Yeah, I mean he's a definitely a memorable character.
0: I loved that. Turtle's ringtone was Miss New Booty by Bubba
4: Sparks. (laughs) Vincent, don't stop ringing. Hello. Yeah, I represent him. Can I
5: call you back in an hour when I get to my office? Vince, this is getting nuts. You think Ari would talk to me? I was going to say, I was trying to figure out what an outdated ref was because I didn't feel like this episode had that many, and mine is just uh, Turtle has a ringtone.
0: Yeah, 100%. It doesn't even put it on vibrate.
5: Yeah. I, I have to say, I'm a person who leaves my phone on, and one of my friends called me um, a sound-on bitch for doing that, Ooh. and I was so embarrassed that I turned my phone on silent, and then immediately lost my phone and couldn't find it. <laughs> people, I, ringtones make sense. I just but then he had a ringtone, and it was like a tone, and not like, you know, yeah. a jangle noise. Yeah. Like he now. Uh, but he'd like downloaded a Bubble Sparks ringtone and looked like set yeah. up in his phone
0: downloaded the mp3 and then probably like spliced it to the exact moment that he wanted the ringtone to be
5: like oh no this is the line this
0: is yeah (laughs) this line from miss new booty is is the line that encapsulates me personally
5: (laughs) yeah i mean dude has time to do stuff like that so
0: any bros being bros moments jump out at you from this episode yeah this one was tough but i think uh I think Tur- when, when Turtle goes in and tries to defuse the coffee shop situation... Yeah.
4: I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave.
0: And I'm afraid I'm going to have to say no. Because
4: I ain't going anywhere
0: till I get
13: my free cup of coffee! Jesus Christ, Drama, what the fuck? They discontinued my free coffee card.
4: Listen, pal, buy you the lousy $3 cup of coffee. You really want to get involved in this dickhead? Drama, oh, come, come on, come on. Here. You don't need any more coffee. You're wired up enough as it is. You only got
0: fifteen minutes
13: to get to Ed Burns. Fuck it. Fuck all of you. I'm gonna go get me a pilot.
0: Their dynamic was always really funny for me, uh, so I think just him driving drama, you know, trying to get him to the uh, audition. audition. Yeah, sorry. I thought that was I thought that was funny. That was uh, those guys. You know, they got a good bond. You know what's interesting about the dynamic between drama and Turtle? Uh, Jerry Ferrara and Tevin Dillon, I think their age difference is like a good 15 to 17 years. So it, or in these early seasons, it's legitimately like an adult man and like a young kid. And the dynamic is just perfect. It's just this like antagonistic, you know, push-pull comedy gold. And uh, you, forget, you just forget that watching the show. And uh, they're really good friends in real life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a good moment in the coffee shop. I had another moment, which was right before that, where, you know, Drama gets the parking ticket. They pull up to the house, and he's like, I'm going to go down to City Hall and make that guy's day a living hell. And it's Vince, actually. Vince has really come through with the bros being bros moments, but he says to Drama... Forget about him. Come on, you're nervous. You always get uptight when you have something big.
9: You don't have to be. You can get this if you stay focused. Yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah. You're
0: right, bro. Thanks. He kind of diffuses drama a little bit, and like that's what a good brother or half brother should do. And drama's like, yeah, you're right. You know, let's just head west, grab a cup of coffee, and be on time for this thing. Which, foreshadowing doesn't happen. Right. That's a man. That's a that's a really good
13: answer, Jr. You do this for a living.
0: (laughs) I must I must do this ten to fifteen hours a week. (laughs) That's what that's what this must be for me.
8: I also love. I love when Johnny Drama was like, "You hear about my pilot?" <laughs> I was like, "He's Seth Green." Yeah. No, yeah. no, he didn't. No. He's in movies. He doesn't yeah. hear about your pilot at all. Also, what a what a flagrant way to to bring it up. Be what's what's up, Seth. No, Johnny Drama. How you doing? Did you hear about my pilot? No, congratulations. Thanks, bro. Oh, good for you, man. Could use the word.
0: <laughs> Answer me this, Matt. I'm outside of Hollywood, obviously. So, like, if someone books a pilot, don't you want to be bragging that you? The pilot that picked up to series like why are you going? no around-
8: you, you 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 do get to celebrate having a pilot since so many of them don't go to series um you want to at least build some heat for yourself gotcha. you're always trying to build some heat you're always trying to brag it's like what married couples do on on facebook with their kids and their home and their vacations yep. actors have to do with like their successes you have to really magnify them so if you book a pilot there's going to be a hollywood reporter article about it you share it
0: made sense so and in today's digital you age. You wouldn't keep it. Yeah.
8: Yeah. I, I had one one time, and I like to play. I, I well, Now I'm not doing it. Now I'm saying, bragging about it, but I had one one time, and I, I didn't announce it because I didn't want to, like, jinx it. Uh-huh. But it didn't go, so I guess who cares. But it, it felt weird. It. You're right. It does feel weird to – a little bit weird to celebrate something that might not go.
0: But it's still worth celebrating. You get paid. You do get some – cachet behind you get, your You name. get some
8: pay. Yeah, you, you says, but when it fails then you got some stink on you, which is weird.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I can see that. Good thing this is a podcast because nobody can cancel this. I I want to save this question for the end. Uh, fuck, I'll just ask you right now. Matthew, if you could play a role in Entourage, if you were a part of the Entourage, you know, cinematic Ooh. universe, whatever it may be, what, what role would you want to play?
8: I'd love to be like a more successful actor that Vinny beats out for a part. Like like a big shot. That's good. And that he, like I'm, I'm, I have the movie and then like Vinny comes in and just gives this amazing audition and they're like, cancel Matthew. We need Vinny for this role. I'm like, but I'm a big celebrity. <laughs> I would love to play that. That'd be so fun. Just, just watch me just fail. That would be my ideal role.
0: And seeing you like just do like bid shot celebrity things, like just kind of like push people around, and like I feel th- like uh, Vinny,
8: was it Vinny? Like I <laughs> just like kind of just like subtle antagonistic stuff. Yeah, man, you've uh, you got a great TV career. <laughs> just like real subtle little things. <laughs>
0: was your least favorite moment in this week's episode um my least favorite
2: moment i think it was the um when the same thing when turtle went to go pick up the shoes you know as a sneaker guy uh i have this you know i guess this an eye for like situations like that where they they make sneakers feel dangerous and i felt like they kind of did that a little bit when um when turtle got out of the car to go pick up the shoes and they had the guys outside lifting weights or whatever it was (laughs) they're doing like to give that, to make it feel threatening. Yeah. So like, that's kind of, that kind of hit me the wrong way, but like, but you know, it's, 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 that's, you know, it's part of the Hollywood lore. I get it,
0: but it's just like, ah, it's not like that guys. Yeah. And we'll talk, well, we have a category coming up called, like, you know, what would be different about this episode. In 2019, that's just a bunch of, like, I'm not calling all sneakerheads dorks, but it's a bunch of dorks (laughs) in line, like, wait, you're not, you're not going to get a bunch of Dane Banners with, like, their their fucking... Right. That's a great, great observation, yeah. I I, I could see why being someone as cultured as you in the sneaker game, like, it it just kind of rubbed you the wrong way, 100%. Yeah. I want to bring up the guy who worked at the Undefeated in Santa Monica, he really 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 wanted his sister to have a nice birthday party which I thought Man. was really weird. <laughs> That's aw-
2: no, I, it's awesome like like Here's the thing, though, like those guys that work at those shops, they have power. You know what I mean? Cuz hundred like, percent. Sneakerheads are trying to get their hands on those shoes like they are trying their hardest to get their hands on those shoes. So a lot of those guys, uh, unbeknownst to us, they have a little bit of power, especially when it comes to like, yo, can you hold that poor pair for me? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I can. But like what you going to do for me? Like, yes, yeah. there's a there's a term in sneaker in the sneaker world called backdooring. Oh yeah, uh, where they feel like shops are giving shoes kind of away to like celebrities and holding them for friends and stuff like that, or reselling them themselves, and like this kind of leans into that a little bit of of that sort of power that they have because they have access to the stock and it's such a high or a hyped item that people want it and people will do anything to get their hands on it. So that that scene definitely plays into that, and I think it's I think it's dope that they used that they had the storyline be like something for his sister because it could have been. <laughs> It could have been something a lot, a lot less deep. It could have been like, oh yeah, I want to I get a BMW, or I want to try and get this. Like, it was it was like, yo, I want to I do this to make sure my sister has a good birthday party. So I thought that was really dope.
0: He's being a dirt older brother. It was a yeah. little weird, but I <laughs> mean, that's that's what Vince and Turtle were trying to do. They're trying to backdoor the line at Undefeated.
2: $1,500 cash
7: in your pocket when I arrive. There you go. Hey, Vince. I can't take your money, man. But if this is really you, my sister, man, she's a huge fan of yours. If you were to show up at a birthday party, take a few pictures with her and her annoying friends, man, it'll be like you're family. I could never say no to family. Your shoes are cool? The coolest. <sighs> All right, fine, you got a deal. Nice, but you still gotta hurry. Because if people find this hidden back here, they're gonna tell me a lie.
0: All right, thanks. <laughs> So every week on Entourage, there's usually some pretty big celebrity cameos in each episode. Unfortunately, this week, there weren't any major ones, but there were two small ones in the party scene. Do you know who I'm referring to?
5: Well, I thought the Victoria's Secret girls were huge because Alessandra Alessandra Ambrosio. And then I'm looking... I'm looking for the other one's name right now. Do you-
0: Isabel Goulart. Isabel
5: Goulart. So, Goulart, yeah. So, I would argue they're like two of them. I would get the Victoria's Secret magazine. Yep. I probably would use it in a different way that men would, but I would, <laughs> I would. That's where you like order all your bikinis. And they actually had good clothes back in the day. And I always thought that like they were the two prettiest, but back then, no one had Instagram. You just saw them whenever you'd get the magazine. And they've grown to be, like, such iconic stars and have so many cameos. And their Instagrams are huge. And now they're, like, huge models. And they're, like, the two top ones. um, Now they do the fashion shows. I also noticed, though, that, like, when they were going around these parties, like, the L.A. parties – The makeup girls were wearing is so different. No plastic surgery, like you see, no big lips. Where now, if it would just be like tons of fillers and and lips everywhere. So I just noticed how like normal all the girls looked, and it was actually like kind of refreshing to me.
0: So let's talk about the angels a little bit, and then let's talk about how this episode maybe has aged. Yeah. Really quick, as mentioned, Alessandra Ambrosia. As he's, I, I could never nail that accent. You nailed it. Um, <laughs> <Alexandra>. <laughs> in
1: 2012,
0: she was like top five on Forbes' list of highest paid models. She yep. was named one of the most beautiful people in the world by People Magazine. Mm-hmm. Isabel Doulard, she was, you know, Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, Armani Exchange, and she was featured at the end of the 2016 Summer Olympics closing ceremony in Rio. She's
5: Brazilian, yeah. Yeah,
0: it ended with a fireworks display in a tribute to their signature event, Carnival, which showcased their dance culture. A 250-person parade was led by her. Wow. Like fucking insane.
5: Wow. And she's just like bringing out his cake like a bottle girl in this episode. She has 5 million followers on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking up Alessandra right now who has 10 million followers on Instagram. Jesus. She's And she's also founder of her own business now. Good for her. So these girls, like, they are fucking way richer than um vince adrian i would argue that they definitely it's like a tom brady giselle type thing like these girls are killing Mm -hmm. it
0: definitely so they're they're like the biggest celebrity cameos yet they go so under the radar for a lot of people because to a lot of people i'm sure it was just like you know pretty girl in a Victoria's secret
5: also their their faces look exactly the same which is hilarious maybe like slightly bigger lips but yeah their faces look the same
0: We just mentioned it, but so, like, how would this episode be different if it took place in 2019? Or, or what maybe stood out to you as just being different about this episode?
5: Oh, can I say my worst celebrity cameo? Because I have one.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize there was one.
5: Um, I think the worst celebrity cameo was Kobe Bryant. <laughs> and the, the only thing they showed of him was him passing, yep. which we all know is something he doesn't do. That's good. So Very good. That's <laughs> my line I wanted to say for that my little sports knowledge.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. He also is wearing number eight, which was his old number, which is, that's kind of an outdated Ooh, thing. He changed his I number. Like that.
5: <laughs> yeah. I I grew up on him as number eight, but yeah, he was, during that time, him and Shaq were huge, and I just noticed him passing the ball for someone else to shoot, what's adorable and fake.
0: <laughs> why would they do that? That must have been CGI. I know.
5: Why would, yeah, like, why would they not have him, like, shooting or, like, alley-ooping <laughs> into Shaq? I don't know. Definitely. Well, okay, there was a lot of like, outdated things, Sure. But it starts off with um, drama getting Turtle to take photos of him in front of his billboard, <laughs> and he goes...
4: You got the whole thing?
5: I got the whole thing 1,400
4: different
0: ways already, drama. Just keep snapping. It's digital. There is no waste. Yeah, only my time. Come on, come on, come on. We're not going anywhere until somebody recognizes me. That was a new thing in 2007, Hannah.
5: He, like, had to explain that it was digital, which was hysterical. I also thought the party sponsors like at the end like you're like how's he gonna afford it and then he's like guys you're not gonna fucking believe it i got sponsors (laughs) we're like now immediately they'd be like okay you're planning a party we got all these sponsors that's just like how influencers live their life so that was adorable to me he's like guys it's gonna blow your fucking mind
0: (laughs) (laughs) we don't have to spend our own money on this but
6: it's also
5: so ahead of like ahead of their time i know there was always like sponsors but Him holding the svedka before he had to blow a candle is, like, what celebrity life is all-encompassing now. And we don't even notice half the sponsors most of the time.
0: And I don't think most of the general population cares, but I think this episode did a good job of shining a light on, like, this is how easy celebrities have it. They just need to, like, hold a bottle up and the whole party is, like, paid for.
4: Whoa! Don't blow anything out yet! Am I holding this up while you do it? Oh, Jesus, turtle.
5: But also that like how many people probably drank Svetka after that? How many guys yeah. are subconsciously shopping and they see this Svetka bottle and subconsciously they have good feelings of watching Entourage, seeing it, partying, and they bought it like it probably did work
0: well i've admitted this before on the pod and i'll i was a shameless bro back in 2007 but the boys used to drink budweiser select which was like an even lighter version of bud light in the early 2000s and i used to drink budweiser select because the guys on entourage did and i'm like wow it worked so well keep
5: that body right
13: But it's actually not my favorite. My favorite. My favorite scene is uh, the the closing part of the counseling session. Oh yeah. So, and there with his wife, and they're they're talking about uh, their you know communication problems, and he does one of his just his perfectly executed Ari diatribes, and just just <laughs> uh, he leaves in style. He leaves in, in Ari Gold fashion, and he just it, it's just a great a great closing to that scene, I think.
10: And then, of course, there was the birthday party incident.
4: Everybody, stop. I didn't go to the Lakers game because they were playing the fucking Bobcats. And I came here today because I thought this was a session on how my wife could learn to communicate, how to answer a question without a question. Basic humanity 101, which I thought, given your wall of fucking diplomas, you could easily fix. Or if you couldn't, you could give her a pill that could either fix it or make her a mute. But now, to turn around and gang up on me, I have work to do. I have hundreds of clients to deal with. And just so we're clear, I don't care about any of them. They're all just a number, like wife number one and therapist number seven. Good day.
13: And that's it, right. Yeah. <laughs> he just crushes that scene. Um, that, that's the Ari that, that I know and love after watching this show. Uh, what a character and and that's just so perfectly Ari I loved it
0: the marriage counseling scenes with Ari especially he just has like a, it's like the perfect audience for him he's getting ganged up he's cornered he's usually stressed about some Vinny
13: Chase related you know subject if he makes it through an entire counseling session that's a win for the counselor and for the wife because that's right usually he gets up and storms out and, and exits kind of in that fashion and it's just so great cool.
9: then Scotty's good break what are you doing now actually ari i don't do anything i uh i made a fortune in stamps
4: <laughs> <laughs> what? what what does that mean stamps
9: well stamps.com three little words that saved my life stamps.com
0: stamps.com is like the first podcast sponsor i ever remember I think uh, when I,
1: my old podcast with our buddy Pete Hart, we did one of the first ads we did was a (laughs) stamps.com read. And our producer at the time said, Welcome, guy, you are now officially podcasters. You've done a
0: stamps.com read. That's great. Stamps.com, if you're listening. No, just kidding. Uh, It's interesting, is that I remember like old episodes of Marin's podcast and like Bill Burr's first iteration of his podcast. Like that's all they would do was stamps.com. And like, it was just wild to hear that name. In an episode of a show that I watched 12 years ago and not realizing the staying power that that had back then. Because everyone's aware of Stamps.com right now because of podcasts and you know the way the media landscape works with advertising. And Artie Lang. And Artie Lang. How did, well, let's, let's break this down a little bit. How did he start Stamps.com? How did he get involved in Stamps.com?
1: See that's a, that's the thing because <laughs> they said he was working at Hooters and like I don't know in like what capacity like was he a yeah. barback was he bartending Th- that's the thing like did did one of because he clearly has connected friends where did Ari go did he go to like Harvard I think something like that he went to Michigan
0: with an MBA from Northwestern so no so no regard- he no he says I'm sorry he I'm, before I have to interrupt you because I'm gonna get a bunch of entourage fans correcting me in my DMs um. No, he says that Scotty was like a head of Conan O'Brien at the Harvard Lampoon. So, like they, I guess they went to Harvard. But so Scotty went to Harvard. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, so, so Scotty went to Harvard. So
1: he he knew people. And let's definitely. just say that one of one of him and Ari's friends is something yep. in finance or some sort of venture capitalist guy or and they're having a random conversation talking more than he and Ari talk clearly and he's just like hey man I know you don't have a lot of money but take whatever savings you got put it in this stamps.com thing it's going to be huge and then yeah he, and then that's how he gets it was definitely a friend I don't think Scott was the type I don't think he found that on his own I think it was definitely a friend tip
0: and the friend was probably like a drunk who like sat bar side at hooters like you know every day and scott just like supplied him with like aqua velvas every night and he was like you know scott you're good shit i'm gonna hook you up with this uh potential business deal that i have and scott being kind of a dumbass you know dumps his entire life savings into it and hits the lottery as yeah, it pays that's, off I, for him. well you've convinced me that's what happened